Hello everyone and welcome to the very first installment of D2 Running Pod, where we break down all things happening in Division 2 running. I'm your host, Will Johnson. Today we have a very special guest, and most recently threw down PRs of 855 in the 3000 meter steeplechase and 1406 in the 5000 meters. Not only is my teammate, but also my great friend, Mr. Cade Michael. Cade, how we uh, doing today? Oh, well, hey, Will. First of all, I was going to say, um, it would be kind of weird responding to that because I feel like I see you on a very daily basis, and that seems like it's a introduction after a while. But I haven't seen you in a while because I was in California for a week, and, and we didn't uh, work out together yesterday. So, uh, no, I've been doing good. Um, you know, the high today was for sure getting done with some uh, some stressful big uh, undergraduate uh, project stuff. The low is that um, City Marco is out of my favorite kombucha flavor, so I had to settle for like the mid the mid tropical punch. It's not the best. But Tough day. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> highs yeah. and lows. The ebbs and flows, you know. Yeah. So we we are teammates here at Western Colorado um, University, and um, a lot of people don't know that you you came. You didn't start here. You transferred in. Um, you came from a Division One program at uh, Texas State. Um, and because, you know, I, I want this to kind of center on like the status of D2 and like what's going on, you know, we kind of get overlooked a lot. And uh, I think first thing is maybe just go into like, how did you end up here? Like what, what drove you away from there? If it was good, bad, and, and why did you come here in particular to a division two school? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I used to go to Texas State University, which is a fairly sizable D1. It's a mid-major program so it's not in one of the power five conferences but as far as um as far as student population goes i think it's in the top 10 in the country something like forty-two thousand undergraduates so definitely a big change um went there out of high school mostly uh, because of the coaching situation um, as well as the area of texas it was in you know, i'm from west texas which is um as as you like to note on a frequent basis probably not the prettiest place in the country to grow up um, but central texas is, is pretty and i and i loved it there um, so I, I had a great situation there for a little while and, and I really liked it. Um, but because of some external factors that I guess I don't necessarily have to get into, but, um, my coach ended up quitting and, um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily like the, uh, the coach we ended up with at the end of the transition. Um, him and I just didn't mesh very well, but he, he did do well with a lot of my other teammates. Um, and so I ended up right before, um, I guess it was February of 2020, right before everything um, sort of began to uh, to shut down. I ended up leaving the team and entering the transfer portal. And um, when I was in that transfer portal, the the process of sort of designating what schools I might want to end up at, um, there were plenty of factors. You know, academic, making sure they had a good program for my major, which is which is economics and, and a good business school, um, but also, you know geographically uh, a place that I would like to live even if I wasn't running um, so obviously mountains top the list and in, in there and uh, li- living on in the American West for sure um, and then thirdly um, looking for a good program and I think what I realized in my first three years of college at Texas State is that um, you can go to a big school with a big title sponsor like an Adidas or an Under Armour or a Nike or something like that and you can get the big gear you can travel well lavishly go to big meets um, have the big budget um, but if you aren't, if you are in a place where you're happy on a daily basis with the teammates that surround you and, and happy meaning many things, both, um, as far as like being able to push in training and also just 
you know, when things aren't going well, being in a, in a good situation with those people around you as well, um, coaches, teammates, et cetera. So that was definitely something I was looking for as well. And when talking to my, my ex-coach, um, who remains one of my best friends to this day, he suggested a few certain programs that he, he knew uh, things about. And those consisted of a couple D1s as well as a couple D2s, and Western was on that list. And um, as things began to, to shut down uh, with COVID, I didn't necessarily have a chance to go visit a lot of the schools and uh, meet the teams and the coaches. But um, just based on, you know, a couple phone calls with a couple of the guys on the team here, as well as talking to Jen um, and having been to Gunnison in the Crested Butte area before, it seemed like a, a pretty surefire bet of a place I would I would like to be for a few years. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're sure glad that you're here with us today. Could have gone uh, a ton of different routes. Um, so you've, you've been in both systems now. And uh, you're coming up, uh, ending your fifth year, maybe going into a sixth year to be determined. We'll see about that. Um, you've been in both systems, and can you just talk a little bit about the difference between them and and kind of like maybe the pros and cons of both? Sure. Um, I think it's um, there's at least a an idea that a D1 program is a much um, higher pressure situation um, in the sense that it seems like a coach is sort of always on the hot seat, similar to like an NFL team or even what you see with like division one basketball or football teams um, in that it's very performance oriented. Um, and that seems to trickle down or at least did in the program that I was in to the athletes and pressure on the athletes to perform for sake of the coaches and for sake of themselves as well. And to, to live up to, um, to all the financial inputs that go into uh, sustaining such a high-budget program. Um, and so I think a, a pro of D1, obviously, is um, you, do have, you do have the higher budget and higher exposure. Um, so whether that means you're eventually making it into the, to the ranks of professional marks and you, have, uh, and, and you have greater exposure because of social media or now because of NILs and um, just greater marketing programs at these Division One schools um, or or just because that means you get free shoes and better gear and you get to travel um, on first-class flights and stay in nice hotels, whatever that may be. Those are certainly pros of the Division I. Um, and then the cons are, you know, obviously the, the pressures that come with that um, as well as the sense that um, – you know, if, if you're not on in a few certain conferences or on a few, few certain teams in the Division One ranks, you're, you're not necessarily competing at a higher level. And I think that that's a good segue into, into some of the pros of um, being a Division Two athlete is that competition, there's not that much of a difference. Like, for example, this past weekend at Brian Clay um, or, or Mount Sac or Chili Pepper in cross country or, you know, there's none of these meets are division one exclusive until you get into champ championship season. And so you're competing against the same competition you would, and sometimes even better competition, um, especially being in the, in the RMAC as we are, um, you know, it's one of the top conferences regardless of division. Um, and so you're, you're getting that D one competition and similar competition that you would at the v division one level. Um, but there's not necessarily those pressures. Um, we're also able to, to hold a bigger team here. Um, than a lot of Division One programs because of those financial pressures that are put on um, on the coaches and, and the administration, et cetera. Um, yeah, and I think the cons of D2 is 
is really just that there's a sort of an undeniable stigma that, that comes with running for division two program. And, you know, um, regardless of the fact that competition is at a very similar level, um, and in a lot of cases in a higher level, as far as far as concentration is concerned, um, I, you know, there will always be a stigma when you talk to, uh, you know, a passerby on the street or a family relative at a Thanksgiving or something where, um, being a division two athlete and uh, particularly a cross country and track one doesn't uh, necessarily hold the weight that being a division one uh, division one athlete at a big school even if you go to maybe an sec school or um, a big 10 school that's not necessarily as good at the distance events as a lot of uh, d2 schools particularly in the rmac um, you know names and brands carry weight and uh, so i think there's a little bit less recognition maybe yeah and i I know you just mentioned Brian Clay, which you got to be a part of, uh, and I think there's just like a big chip on our shoulder, like when we come in and, or like, you know, people want to prove themselves that, you know, we like shouldn't get overlooked, but, um, I have a few, a few results down that I just wanted to highlight from this past weekend. Um, 145, 339, 836 in the steeple, 2812 in the 10k these are d2 marks right now some of them um at the top of the you know at the top of the nation in any division respectively um and you ran 855 respectively in the steeple as well national mark what what was it like to you know go there and you know kind of kick ass you know (laughs) like beat beat some d1s beat fellow d2s and just just kind of be in that environment and you know go to those big meets Sure. Um, first off, I want to give a shout out to, I think all of those times, except for the 339 are RMAT competitors, which is pretty cool. So we'll get to see them in a week at conference from uh, the mid-distance boys over at Pueblo to the the long-distance boys at Adams and, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, no, um, actually Brian Clay and those California meets that are known to be extremely high caliber in the distance events, uh, I never actually had the opportunity to go to at Texas State because our team was, um, while we were fairly good on the mid-distance and distance side, we were also a very sprint and uh, speed and power uh, oriented team. So we ended up going to a lot of meets in the South and not necessarily these big um, big name, mini, mini heat um, type situations in California where people go to run fast. Um, so it was a great experience this weekend. You know, it's uh, it's a meet I've looked forward to going to for a long time because, you know, uh, you spend so much time on YouTube or flow track watching all these records get set on this track and whether it's a D2 record, a D3 record, a D1 record, a US record, or even just the amount of people that run PBs at Brian Clay, like it's Boston for indoors. Um, it's, it's exciting. I mean, there was something like 600 entries in the men's 1500 and they were starting heats before the, the previous one had even finished. And so, yeah, the energy around the track, um, just from the critical mass of people who understand um, the uh, the spirit of distance running was uh, it was contagious. It was energetic, and uh, it felt like you know not the whole city of LA, but this little corner where these three really high caliber meets were was just you know bustling with uh, with really high caliber and elite athletes. And so it was a it was a cool thing to be a part of. And um, you know you can go to any track in the country and run hard from the gun and, and run good times. But um, 
there's there's something to be said for sure about the the momentum and the energy that you get from uh, um, from participating in a climate like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about all those times that went down at that meet that, uh, you know, we just talked about Brian Clay and, um, you know, high, high schoolers are getting insanely fast these days. Like, you know, we're talking beaten pros, beaten all divisions, anyone they step on the track with, they're going to challenge. Um, but even kids who aren't at that level yet, um, why, why do you think, uh, just division two is just getting overlooked. I mean, I mean, we can look at you, a great success story starting uh, at Texas State. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you weren't phenomenal in high school, uh, (laughs) uh, especially in the state of Texas. But um, I don't know. I just I would think that more kids would be drawn to like what what we're doing kind of on our team or just like as a division and just how well, say, like the RMAC's performing. And I just wonder if you could possibly weigh in on that. Sure. I mean, first of all, um, shout out to Newberry Park head coach Sean Brosnan, uh, not only for developing extremely fast athletes, but for calling 420 in the mile in high school not fast anymore. Because <laughs> if 420 in high school isn't fast, then uh, I want to know what, what adjective you would have used to describe me in high school because <laughs> it, it wasn't there. Um, but no, yeah, I agree. Um, especially, um, I don't know, I feel like I have an interesting perspective on this maybe. Um, because I, because I went to high school in the state of Texas, um, such a, and, and participated at, at the 6A level, um, at the highest level in Texas. And so, you know, mediocre at best, never made a state championship type thing. Um, and so I'm curious why I overlooked you two at that point as well, because, um, yeah, it wasn't a huge success story and, uh, and certainly wasn't getting big scholarships at, at big name schools. Um, but I think I'm, I'm always impressed with, um, with people who go to division two schools, uh, who, who are, you know, um, above average all the way up to elite athletes in high school. Um, I think those who choose division two schools for whatever reason, uh, I'm impressed with it because I think it shows a level of maturity that I, I know I didn't have in high school and that, um, I was worried about that stigma. And so I, you know, when I went into my search engines and I, uh, and I hit refine for various schools that I might look at, um, certainly division one was one of those filters and whether that was because of the stigma or, you know, the gear I wanted or the big names or thinking that eventually I, I just had to compete against the best. Um, you know, a lot of those thoughts were misled, but, um, I think for high schoolers, um, yeah, there, there's, there's that stigma to D2. And then there's also this stigma with going to a big D1 school and, and showing out and proving to your friends, especially for cross country and track athletes that like, you know, I'm a, I'm a distance runner, but like we're athletes too. Like we're, we can be elite athletes or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I'm impressed with, with kids at that level, um, who choose to compete at division two out of high school. Um, even like yourself, because I think it shows a level of maturity and understanding that, um, you will compete at the highest level that you can develop in the same way that you're going to be presented with very similar opportunities. Um, in that regardless of division, you know, it's all about self-development and putting yourself in a good situation with teammates in a good environment, um, with coaching staff and, and being happy in an academic setting and in a social setting. And so a lot of times for a lot of kids, I think they, um, D2 would be a wiser choice, but for whatever reason, um, there's that, I don't know, 
cloud of looking down upon Division two schools. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how we go about, um, I guess, casting away those those clouds of judgment over Division two, other than um, what you just read and, and running national leading times um, and competing with the best and, and, you know, competing on media platforms like FlowTrack or even like NBC when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to people like Trevor Bassett and people um, competing at the world level and the USA level and just, um, you know, whether it's a W on your chest or um, an ore digger or an Adam State logo, whatever the case may be, just, um, you know, representation through through media, through running fast, through conducting yourself well. Um, yeah, it sort of starts to level that playing field and maybe give exposure to a lot of these schools that don't necessarily have the marketing power to otherwise get that exposure. Yeah, I feel like coming out of high school, I had a similar uh, thought process to you. It, it was very like D1 or bus type. And, you know, if, if that didn't work out, I'd say, oh, I can just go to the go to the same college my sister went to. Um, and then, you know, when when I realized that, that that wasn't a great option for me and I wasn't getting much love from back home, then... I knew it was time to kind of broaden the horizon and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I ended up at a place. I think it's helped me to not have all that hype around a certain school. Um, and, you know, come, come to somewhere that's a little bit more quiet and, you know, just put my head down and grind. And, you know, like you said, still have those same opportunities. And I mean, that's, that's the opportunities you got last weekend, you know, same with our, uh, all our other teammates and all these crazy times that went down. Uh, I saw a post today by Simon Fraser, um, which is uh, Division Two up in Canada. Um, but they had three women that ran incredibly good in the eight in the eight hundred. Their number one uh, girl broke the D two record, and uh, currently I don't know how long it's a hold, but currently she's fourth in the world right now in the eight hundred, two oh one low or something like that, and her teammates. 10th in the world their second fastest girl and their third fastest girl is like 14th in the world in the 800 so like you know we can we can talk i mean we can talk about stuff like this all day just the just the craziness of um like how division two's developing more and and i think the gap is i think it's shrinking and like i hope it shrinks more and i hope that there's no you know there's no more blurred lines between the two anymore yeah, they're wicked fast up in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Now as now as we wrap this up, uh is, is there anything you'd like to add or maybe just talk about briefly before we uh close close up? Yeah, I, w- I would like to talk about the fact that um it was something like 65, 70 degrees out today. Maybe a little windy, but um you know, Will Johnson stays true to his roots. He tra- stays true to his fans and uh he knows his identity. So he's he's wearing a beanie and a flannel out here. <laughs> Um, as, as summer fastly approaches, we're gonna we're gonna hang on to this uh, this this dwindling cool temperatures that we have in the Rockies. <laughs> well, uh, I, thank you for your time, Kate. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, being here. Yeah, cheers, Sconiers. Yeah, Sconiers. All right, see you guys later. Mm-hmm.